Hey, welcome on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinelli and Mitchell Ballard here to give you the latest of what's going on in the sporting world. Mitch, how you feeling this week, buddy? <laughs> it's been a week, Mitch. It has been a week, but you know, we're here now. Sleep needs to get back going. You know, we got to get a lot of Z's tonight. I don't have to worry about Ohio State playing today, so I'm going to hit the hit the hay early tonight. But uh, you got to get the rest because the Browns play tomorrow with a chance to go three and one in first place in the division. We got plenty of football to talk about. A big trade nobody saw coming in the NBA. Maybe food poisoning. Who knows? Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Mitch has been feeling uh, a little little under the weather the last couple of days. Which is why we're going remote. And, uh, and uh, you know, we'll be back probably next week. But, yeah, we wanted to get an episode in because we didn't get an episode to you guys pre uh, before Friday night. So this will be a rare instance where at the end of the week we'll be kind of recapping the slate of what's going been going on in high school sports going into the weekend. So we want to start off here by going into what happened last night in high school football. We'll talk about the games we covered here on Big Time Sports and the other ones as well. I want to talk about one of the other ones. What the hell happened, Mitch, between Maslin and St. John's from Washington, D.C. last night? Because I'm seeing a score like, okay, Maslin's up 28 to 7. It makes sense. You know, they're they're doing still doing well. DeWan Owens also came back uh for this game after being, I guess, cleared by the transfer application uh committee. But then I see uh I think it was oh who, who was it that uh sent out that oh I, I have to give him his his props and do really quick because uh he was the guy that uh had the first report yesterday. That DeWan Owens is coming back, and then I saw that this uh, on his thread. Uh, Peter Holland Jr. Uh, at duh underscore at underscore duh underscore pistol on Twitter reported last night that Saint they just ended the game with like six some minutes left last night when Maslin was deemed the winner, twenty eight to seven. Like I'm shocked that the game ended that way, and I'm shocked that they ended it so early. It must have seemed like Maslin was just going to pull away because it's hard for any high school team to score three touchdowns in seven minutes and a quarter, but what happened last night going through what we saw going through what we saw, what we can gather and also gather without much bias, Mitch. That's the big thing here looking. And I'm, I've been looking at the Canton repository, obviously an article written by Peter Holland jr. Like you said, it was an impressive win for the top rank uh, team in division two. And this is no shot at mass. I have a feeling they're going to move down to number two after another team in division two had probably one of the most impressive wins so far this season. That being Akron Hoban, who was up yep. 40 to nothing at the start of the second quarter. Was it last okay, night? Yeah. It was 50 to nothing at halftime. Yeah. And the final was 57 to seven, I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, or Walsh Jesuit. We'll get to that here soon. The, the Mitch, the biggest news of the day yesterday was all of a sudden out of nowhere, DeWan Owens, who was scratched last week because the OHSAA ruled him ineligible because of some transfer paperwork. There was a lot of speculation, you know, the big question, why now what happens next? You know, if he suspended the year, do they vacate the wins? You know, a lot of unknown factors. And then yesterday, Mitch, what three o'clock boom to one Owens reinstated. He is playing tonight. And that's all Massa wanted because he is so dynamic as a quarterback and a runner. And it also takes some pressure off the other Massa Tigers players. So sure enough, Owen steps back in. Maslin goes up. They're up 28 to seven over this team from Washington, D.C. It was 645 to go. The game stopped after a hit by a Maslin Tiger on the quarterback for St. John's College. And it resulted in the game being halted and called final with 645 to go in the fourth. There was a lot of penalties. There was a lot of fights. There was fights between players on both sides on the respective sidelines. And it was 
bizarre. There was a penalty. The coaches were getting into it. And so they decided the best route to go in terms of safety for both sides and also de-escalating everything was to halt the game. Now it was 6.45 to go, massing up 21. Did St. John's have a realistic chance of coming back from how the game went and what we can see and read from? It doesn't seem like it, but it's not over till it's over. I'll allow the Jets against the Browns last year. It's the last time I'm going to bring that up. Um, just a very, very bizarre outcome. Maybe not mass on winning, but how they won and the game being ended with six minutes and 45 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. I can't remember the last time we've seen something like this outside of like a game being decided already in terms of score and there being a weather delay or a lightning delay where they just said, hey, you know what? We're not going to come back tomorrow and finish the last eight minutes of the game of a 28-point deficit. We're just going to end the game now. But in terms of what was happening on the field with players, penalties, and coaches, it's the first time in quite a while I can remember something like this, Mitch. We've only we've only been doing the podcast for just over a year now. The last time I remember something like this happening, it was a basketball game, but I don't recall yeah. what two teams it was or why it was stopped. I know it wasn't for weather reasons. I know it wasn't for uh wasn't it was it fan related? It might it had why, to have been I... it was some it was some sort of incident that happened on the floor, but I don't know what two teams it was, and I don't want to throw any games out here. I have you're one right. you're right game in mind that. uh i have one game in mind here but i don't or one team in mind that it might happen to but i I'm, I'm looking through all this stuff right now and all all i'm getting right now is cancellations and like moved games i'm not getting anything that like started in a contest and then stopped like I, I, if someone if yeah. someone in the comments can let us know and correct us i mean you know for when we post this please do because i don't want to like you know what is it Spoken is slander. I went to school for this. Libel is written. I might let me wait. Hold on. I got to get this right. I'm I'm not at my you're the one that's not feeling well, and I'm the one that's not uh, at my best today here. Libel versus slander. Libel is written. Slander is is stated. Okay. I don't like that I had to go back to the first Spider-Man movie for that reference. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get back on track here. Back on track. It's 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 unfortunate the game had to end that way last night, you know, because of all the things that are happening between the two teams. You know, you mentioned the penalties, 12 for, for St. John's, I believe, uh seven for Maslin in that game. 16, excuse me. Jesus. For 157 yards for St. John's, and then it was seven for 72 yards for Maslin. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's a rough look, and you know, it, it was kind of it seemed like it was kind of sparked after the quarterback for St. John's Isaiah French was injured after a hit by a Maslin defender that resulted in a penalty. Uh, the referees recommended the game end at that point, and the and the visiting coach St. John's concurred, according to Maslin head coach Nate Moore in uh, the article. So they're like, all right, let's let's end it here. I mean, what's Maslin going to do? Not end the game and risk you know having them come back? So right, and just, that's the thing is if if. St. John's wanted the game to be over and didn't want to play. Then they walk off the field and it's over. Anyway. They, they, also I, I, to, they also have to travel back too, which is, you know, they probably exactly. wanted to get back at a reasonable hour. So Maslin, that's their, they're the second team, the nationally team to beat uh, the cadets this year, nationally ranked team. They'll move to number two. You mentioned Hoban had a big win over Walsh Jesuit 50 to nothing at halftime, 57 to seven at the end of the game. You know, we're probably going to be seeing these two teams face off at some point during the playoffs. It's just a matter of when, um, you know, because Maslin's offense is very good. Hoban's obviously still dominant. These are two teams that, again, they, they get these programs together, and we're probably going to see them again at some point. Uh, other and, games, go ahead. Yep. In regards to the Hoban one too, Mitch, let's remember, 
we broke the news, I think, was it last end of winter, early spring of Hoban and St. V's no longer playing each other in football. Yes. This was the week for mm. rivalry week. Now, I obviously know this, obviously, now that I'm up at Hoban coaching baseball. And so the kids all week, you, you and I remember, we all have our rivals in high school. <laughs> you have the spirit week. And so this is typically the week that they would have played St. V's. It was the rivalry week. Hoban was ready for it. And they came out and I don't even want to say they punched Mitch. It, it was like a knockout blow right away. It, it was a la Jose Ramirez hitting Tim Anderson and knocking him out. That's how quick it happened. And, um, you know, Hoban got up for the game and I think they were also coming off a bye. So they, not only were they rested, but they were ready to go up against somebody in another Jersey rather than themselves for the past week. I think Hoban's next biggest game you talk to their coach or the staff, they're going to say it's the next one. But we both know that right now it certainly looks like Mass and Hoban are on a collision course yet again to meet in the playoffs. And I'm very excited to see because Hoban lost a number of kids last year, like Lamar Sperling, Mr. Ohio. And Massa now adds to one Owens, who Mitch might be one of the best quarterbacks in Northeast Ohio. I, I mean, the numbers he's putting up are insane. And the difference he makes in that offense for Mass is insane. And so we saw it last year in the state semifinals. We've seen it numerous times in the state championship. I think you're spot on. I think both these teams stay healthy. We're on a collision course again to see these two teams score off. And I'm very excited to see what would happen later down the road. These teams need to stay healthy. They need to stay on their winning ways, but with how they've played so far, hard to believe they wouldn't stay on their winning ways. And other games that we had throughout this past Friday, a very interesting game between McKinley and Lake, a big matchup that could lead to the winner of the federal league. And McKinley gets the advantage after winning 29 to 22 but they were up what 23 to seven at halftime and the blue streaks nearly made uh, a crazy comeback over at Tom Benson and the Bulldogs were able to somehow survive. And they, they've made this kind of their thing where they pull out these victories kind of in, in, in amazing ways. They had the game against green two weeks ago. They were down 27 to seven at the break. They came back and won. I mean, McKinley's record, you know, obviously reads something and that this team can compete against schools, but I don't know. What what do you make of, of how, McKin how McKinley has played this year as opposed to, you know, what they show on their record? Because they're going to take it as, hey, our record shows what it shows. But, you know, they have some very interesting ways of playing these games. Unlike NFL football, where a win's a win and that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. College and high school, you get style points, right? We know college football. We we saw it firsthand. Ohio State beating Wisconsin 59 nothing that ended up putting them in the, the college football playoff in the inaugural season. You you read the article from the Canton Repository and Josh Weir and Antonio Hall said that we got better on special teams. We battled through adversity, especially late in the game. We had some self-inflicted wounds that, again, we have to fix. I'm going to stop right there. The quote keeps going on, but I'm going to stop that quote right there. Okay. Okay. 27 to 7 against Green Mitch. What was the self-inflicted wounds? Five interceptions in the first half. Right. This team is still finding a way to win. So that's a giant positive. When the playoffs get here, though, when yeah. this team plays Maslin week 10, those self-inflicted wounds are not going to be okay because right. good teams and Lake is a good team. Let me let me make sure, sure I give Lake their credit. McKinley is not going to be able to get away with this when the playoffs come because as you continue to advance, those teams continue to get better and better, and they will feast on those mistakes. Lake Mitch, I think, is one of the best defenses I've seen all year long. Their offense can get stagnant at times. And it's no shot. Kale Jarvis and Noah Kaboski, the quarterbacks for Lake, they alternate, you know, series, plays, whatever. McKinley got the win. 
and it's a big win because now they're, we have what three more weeks in the high school football season. I think they have two more federal league games remaining before they play Maslin. They're at Jackson next week. That's a big game. Jackson fell last night. So now Jackson has their backs against the wall. They're going to need some help and try to win out in the federal league. But for McKinley, they're in the driver's seat. They control their own destiny. That's the first goal that these teams have, right? Win the federal league. McKinley's in the driver's seat. All they got to do now is win their next two and it's over or just split. And if they're co-champions again, like last year with Lake, so be it. Or if some team slips up somewhere else, they will be champs again. This McKinley team's talented, Mitch. We know that. But they're going to have to clean some things up if they want to make a deep postseason run here soon because as good as they are, some of these games recently have been pretty close. And we even saw the one game week two against Avon when they had those self-inflicted wounds, Avon feast on. And that's exactly what will happen in the postseason. But Kinley cannot clean it up. I'm going to read the whole quote here from Coach Hall so we don't get in trouble. He said, we had some self-inflicted wounds that, again, we have to fix. It was the second half this time instead of the first half. So we have to figure out eventually how to put two halves of solid, clean football together, unquote. And then that's that's a good point. A lot of their their troubles this year have been a lot in the first half. But in the second half, they had two uh, quick fumbles, one of them in the opening possession that led to a late touchdown. The second fumble occurred with less than two minutes left in the game as they tried to run out the clock. They were up when they were up two touchdowns late, got a quick score. And then Keith Quincy had to, to get his hands on an onside kick in order to let the clock run out for the blue streaks. So the bulldogs survive They're at what uh six and one now in the league or four and zero in the league, six and one overall. Uh, we had Glen Oak winning uh, their homecoming game against Jackson uh, 21 to 16. Adrian Burt uh, had a big game, 199 rushing yards, a touchdown on 15 carries. Uh, so they were able to uh, uh, limit the polar bears to 16 points. They shut out Jackson in the second half. Uh, so Glen Oak playing a pretty inspired game. I mean, Glen Oak's just one of those teams this year that hasn't had like as much press as, you know, the Maslins or the McKinley's, but they can, they can play at times. I've seen them a few times this year. Yeah. Um, we have some other matchups this year, by the way, uh, we had green winning, uh, 42 to seven. So congratulations, uh, to their coach who got his, uh, 50th career, uh, victory with that win, uh, last night, Brian Baum, congratulations to him. Uh, we had, uh, what we had up here. We have, uh, Hoover winning over Perry 37 to 30. That's what one I meant. Not the, the green game. I'm sorry about that. Uh, we also had a number of games. Hoover and Perry was the one that we had on big time sports. The other one was Garraway against Indian Valley. And the game was 35 to what was it? 14, 13. But that game was closer than uh, you might have thought, especially towards the beginning of the fourth quarter when Indian Valley started putting pressure on the Pirates who were up 21 to seven at halftime. But the Pirates were able to outlast. They had this one point where Indian Valley, deep in their own territory, I think it was around the 21 or 22-yard line, was going to go for it on fourth and one. And an, and a false start penalty moved them back five yards. They had to kick it back uh, towards uh, Garraway's side. And then Dylan Sunland, the junior running back, ran for a 63-yard touchdown to essentially ice the game for uh, the Pirates and Braves. They had another touchdown later on. Uh, Brady Geibel overcame a pair of two a pair of uh, first half interceptions to uh, throw two touchdowns to both to Jensen Garber, who was our Clars Excel player of the game. He had nine catch uh, six catches for 143 uh, yards. And yeah, Garraway remains unbeaten. This is probably their biggest test going into uh, this part point in the season. They still are unbeaten. One of the top teams in their division. 
I mean, another a, a number of other matchups as well in the IVC. Ridgewood beating Sandy Valley, handing the Cardinals a second consecutive loss, 35 to 21. Strasburg outlasted East Canton 12 to 7. So the alma mater gets their second victory on the season. Uh, Malvern beat Buckeye Trail 28 to 7. So, you know, there's a number of games there as well. Uh, and uh, Claymont beating Tusky Valley 34 to 21. A very interesting IVC South matchup. And Claymont has dropped the Trojans to 0-2. The Trojans got off to a 4-1 start this year. And, uh, you know, Claymont has kind of overtaken them in the IVC, despite their record being overall being worse than Tusky Valley's. Uh, and the last one you have here, Newcomerstown and Central Catholic. They play tonight, actually. Uh, actually. Uh, you got something? We got to make sure we talk about Canton South. Yes, yes. I wanted to make sure I get that. Yes. Canton South with a giant win last night, Mitch, and having somebody in an unfamiliar role step up to deliver a 35-28 win over Triway in what was a really great game. Poochie mm-hmm. Snyder does break the Stark County all-time passing uh, yards career record. But Mitch, he exited the game, and mm-hmm. Kenton South had to turn to a freshman who ends up throwing a game-winning touchdown, a uh, 69-yard touchdown with 230 left as the Wildcats stun Triway to win 30 30- 528 and Canton South remains unbeaten. Now, obviously, attention turns to Poochie Snyder, who Mitch, we just got to call for what it is, maybe the best quarterback in Stark County when it comes to all the accolades he's piling up, the career accomplishments he's piling up, and Canton South being unbeaten. We're gonna have to wait to see what happens, but hopefully he's back on the field next week because he is such a dynamic playmaker and he's really worth the price of admission right now to go watch. Absolutely. Brody Beagle was the one that came in and gave that 69-yard touchdown to Trey Wilson with 230 left to preserve South's unbeaten mark. So the Wildcats are going to be one to watch here in the next coming uh, weeks. I want to make sure we have all of the uh, our, our things in order just in case we missed any other teams. We did see, uh, by the way, Carrollton outlasting Alliance 31-28. to That was a very impressive game for Coach Salimos' uh, Warriors. Uh, a couple other games in here. I mean, Manchester and Tuslaw in, in a tough one, 19-7. Manchester beat Tuslaw. Uh, Northwest putting up 70 on on Orville, 70 to 45, Miami Dolphins-esque uh, game. Central Catholic beating Mogador 20 to 13. Uh, we mentioned Maslin versus St. John's College already. West Branch shutting out Marlington 56 to 0. Uh, and yeah, Salem beating Minerva 36 to 7. Hey, Star County, it's your friends from the local board of mental health and addiction recovery, and we have a challenge for you. We're asking you to create a new habit and check in on someone every day. Nothing fancy, just a simple text, phone call, or note on social media to ask someone how they're doing. You don't have to be a professional, you just have to ask and then listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Text 4HOPE to 741-741 anytime, day or night, or dial 988. Brought to you by Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. (gasps) Or a Frosty without the fries. (gasps) Or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, 
But when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Where you matter. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostrand Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Happy Sardiversary with Sarder Rider Anthony. We're celebrating 25 years with our valued riders. And I absolutely enjoy riding the buses. I get to know a few of the drivers, very respectful, very professional, just an all around about good experience. It helps people get to where they're going, disabled, veterans, or people going to work. Thanks to all our riders as we celebrate Sarda 2-5 at Sarda. All right, so we got a number of things to talk about here. I'm trying to think of what we want to go to here. Let's. Let, I want to start off with college football because even though, even though uh, Ohio State doesn't play this week, I'm, I'm still feeling the energy from last week's win over Notre Dame. I'm not going to lie. I, again, I said on the podcast last week, if Ohio State had won that game, it wouldn't matter if the Browns had lost by 50 the next day. I would have been happy. Now they didn't, so it was even better. But uh, Ohio State does not play this week, and you you had a, a statement on you had a statement on this that you want to share to the public yeah Ohio State's gonna win this week they're really okay I understand what you're trying to say here and I understood the point you tried to make when we were talking about this in the pregame show but it's not that they are they can they can win this week it's that they can't lose that's the prop that's the proper English here yeah so but, I don't know why I, you're I mean, saying they can uh, win what do they gain the Browns the Browns have definitely lost a bye week before. Okay, explain this to here too, because some of the listeners may not understand it. I barely understand it myself. Because the, the Browns, you know, historically have just been so bad that even a bye week, the bye week would beat them. You know, guys getting hurt in practice. You know, Ohio State. Heck, if anything, I saw guys get black stripe removed in practice this week. That's a win. Okay, That's for Ohio yeah. State. Yes. So, I mean, the biggest thing Ohio State could gain from this is spots in the college football playoff stand. Oh, the playoff hasn't started. Standings haven't started yet, but the APs are on there and the coaches polls are on there. Currently Ohio state ranks fourth and third on each poll respectively, as we're looking at a number of teams just ahead of them, Georgia, Michigan, Texas, and Florida state. Those are the five teams right now that are being taken as like the serious contenders for the playoff. Now I don't necessarily think that all of them are going to be unbeaten by the time the season ends but you know once we get into the thick of where we're going on this late in the year we got a number of teams in the bottom part of the top 10 that could be in there as well you have penn state probably as the third best team in the big 10 right now but we have a matchup here coming out of the bye week that's going to be very or uh within the next couple of weeks it's going to be very interesting here 
to see if it's going to be the Buckeyes or the Nittany Lions really competing with Michigan. Washington might have the best quarterback in the country right now, and Michael Penix. We mentioned USC and Oregon also in there. Washington, USC, and Oregon right now in the AP poll, 8, 9, and 10. So it's three Pac-10, Pac-12 teams right now that are still in the mix there. Excuse me, four of them with Utah at number 10. So it's Washington, Oregon, uh, USC, Oregon, and Utah. Uh, and after that, it's a bunch of one-loss schools, Notre Dame, obviously, Alabama, LSU. The only teams that are in the top 18 that are still unbeaten that are not in the top 10 are Oklahoma, North Carolina, Washington State, Duke, and the Miami Hurricanes. I don't necessarily think any of them are going to be like jumping into the conversation unless they can get some big uh, victories here in the next part of the season. Um, but there are some games today. Let me see what we have here that could be interesting for what we have to go through. First of all, number one, we uh, we for, I forgot to mention um, a game that happened last night between two top 25 schools, Oregon State throwing a monkey wrench into Utah's season by winning 21 to seven. So the Utes are going to drop from that 10 spot. Oregon State might make a big jump here, uh, representing one of the last two true big Pac-12 schools representing with a victory. Um, Saturday, we're going to have a couple of matchups that are going to be interesting, you know, ones that I think, I don't think are going to be like upset central, but it could be interesting. Obviously the big one that everyone's going to be talking about is USC against Colorado in Boulder. You know, again, we talked about how the the hype kind of died down after the way Colorado lost last week to Oregon, but tickets are still going to be high priced. A lot of celebrities are going to be there again for, for, for Dion and for USC as well, because I think a lot of those California-based um, uh, famous people are USC fans. But there is there is a th- like Dion commands his own audience as well. I don't I won't d- argue with you there, um, but I, I still expect USC to come out on top of that one. We also have here again not a lot of not a ton of great matchups here today. We have Georgia against Auburn. If Auburn was a better team, I'd be interested because Georgia's not like a commanding number one school right now. But it's it's interesting enough. Michigan's going to throttle Nebraska. I mean, I'd love to see Nebraska beat them, but it's not going to happen. Texas, this is going to be interesting. Number three, Texas takes on unbeaten Kansas, number 24 in the country. That I want to talk about this one. This is such a fascinating uh, matchup for a Longhorn squad that is kind of proved themselves in week two. I don't I don't think this is the same, the similar Texas school uh, team from other years where they get a couple of victories and start boasting a little bit. And it's like, yeah, okay. And then they lose like some big matchup. This is a team that went into Alabama, albeit not a strong Alabama, the strongest Alabama team this year and won. So they proven themselves there. It's that now they have to get into the conference schedule and win all those games in order to work their way into the playoff as a considerable team. Yeah. When's the last time Kansas was ranked in the top 25? I mean, Mitch, there uh, was a number of years where Kansas was, arguably one of the worst teams in the country. Now here they are undefeated ranked 24th in the AP pool going to Texas 15 point underdogs. What Texas are we going to see? We've seen this before. Is this where Texas can keep things going or is this where Kansas gives them a game? Can Kansas pull off the upset in uh, Austin or does Texas kind of flex and say, Hey, we are here. We are for real. It all starts with Quinn Ewers. And after that, if Texas is able to win this game in convincing fashion, Mitch, then I think we're going to have a real conversation about Texas maybe being a threat to make the college football playoff. But at the same time, we've seen this before. And Texas is always due for a letdown here and there within the you know recent history. 
I'm very intrigued in this game. I'm intrigued to see how good Kansas actually is. And I'm also intrigued to see how good Texas actually is. And can Texas stay focused and get a nice ranked win at home today where they're expected to win by two touchdowns. So I'm intrigued three 30 PM this afternoon. Um, we're going to wait and see. Yeah. To, to kind of answer your question, Kansas was at 24 in last in the AP poll. I think last week, uh, they've been ranked in consecutive seasons now for the first time since 2007 to 2009. So they were, I do remember them in the top 25 last year. Uh, they started at four and and back-to-back seasons for the first time since they did it from 1913 to 1915. I mean, honestly, right now it's Texas and Kansas and then I'm kind of struggling to put up other uh, Big 12 members uh, in the the conversation for like the serious teams in the, the top 25. Although Oklahoma's number 14 as well. So it's those three teams and then Kansas City, TCU, West Virginia. Not bad teams, but like not ranked, not taken as seriously because they lost earlier on in the season. Uh, going through other uh, matchups here as well as I get these top 25 scores. Uh, we mentioned Penn State versus Northwestern, uh, Florida versus Kentucky, uh, LSU's number 13 versus Ole Miss, number 20. I wish one of these schools is undefeated so I can get some rooting interest in there. Oregon's probably going to throttle Stanford. Um, D- Notre Dame is going to be against Duke, and I believe that's where college game day is today. So it's going to be number 11 versus number 17. Notre Dame only a five and a half point favor going into this one. Um, I could see Duke maybe stealing a game here from a, a Notre Dame team that's coming off what had to have been an emotionally draining loss. And again, I give them a lot of credit. It was one of those kind of games where it's like, can Notre Dame keep this spot even though they lost? Because they proved themselves. But unfortunately for them, it doesn't seem to be the case. Um, yeah, that this is kind of a, a, a meh kind of even more. This might even be more meh. Then the two weeks ago slate that we had when Ohio State was playing Western Kentucky, when all the top 25 schools were not really playing each other, it just kind of feels like an eh kind of game or kind of week for college football again. Uh, and then next week when we even like even next week, like I know we're I know we're not trying to jump in other topics early. I'm not taking Maryland lightly next week in Columbus because that's a four and Terps team that has been able to at least compete somewhat this year. They beat Michigan State. I know that holds thing is in shambles and we just saw the news that mel tucker's officially been fired um but they've been at least you know like working their way up this season now granted they play indiana this week and it's going to see we're going to see how they start off against them but that's such a fascinating matchup where i think if ohio state isn't careful we could see an upset there but that's not we'll get into that next week and it's now time for another segment of fuel move recover featuring dr michele iono physical therapist and president of advancing athletics michele thank you so much for taking the time again this week so we're going to start off this week by talking about the sort of issues involving student athletes and balancing uh their athletics along with their studies and their social lives because even for uh, today, a lot of adults can kind of feel the pressure sometimes of trying to balance their work life along with their social lives and anything in between. We can only imagine what, you know, up and coming, still developing kids are kind of going through, especially when they're having to do with so many things in only 24 hours in the daytime. So, I mean, we kind of talked about this before we started today, uh, a number of kids you know, might be feeling stressed from these sort of situations and might get aches and pains from this. Uh, there's obviously a lot of pressure that goes into the final weeks of, let's say, a semester when you're trying to finish up your studies or when the end of the season comes along and postseason play comes. That is uh, kind of what we wanted to touch on today. 
just as always, Mitch, you know, just to remind everybody, you know, this is not medical advice. We are going to touch on, you know, some things that I would advise um, patients or, you know, my, the parents of my patients. And so um, definitely recommend reaching out to, you know, the medical professional that you have in your life. Um, or to me personally, we'll talk about that at the end. I, th I think that the most important thing for me that I always go back to in my line of work is just that kids are actually quite resilient. It's the adults around them, you know, whether it's parents, coaches, teachers, so on, so on and so forth, that project their insecurities, their pressures on the kids themselves. Um, I think that it's also like kids are largely a product of their like environment or, you know, and th this gets into like the whole nature and nurture thing, which is beyond this discussion, but more so it's like, you know, if mom and dad are fighting at home, for example, well, then they're going to, you know, deal with that stress in some way when they get to school, you know, or if they have a coach that, you know, they don't want to disappoint or that might be intimidating. Well, they might perform differently at practice. Like, um, I think that that stuff uh, can really affect, you know, how kids perform in all aspects of their lives. And then I think the other really um, important thing is kind of like you touched on is that like, you know, adults struggle with these things. I certainly do. Um, and I'm supposed to, you know, know what I'm talking about. And this is the kind of stuff I do for a living. So it's normal to feel overwhelmed or feel stressed and then obviously feel the full gamut, the full spectrum of emotions from sad and angry to, you know, happy and like euphoric. So I think it's always valuable for those of you listening or watching that you remind yourself that the same things we experience as grownups um, are also normal things for kids to experience. And then on top of all this, they're still figuring out who they are. They're still growing like literally like physically and then as well as, um, you know, emotionally. And so, you know, taking all that into consideration and then also having to perform in the classroom and um, on the field are also, you know, kind of like buried into this whole mix of things. And, you know, kind of the things that we want to talk about, we talked about these different uh, panels uh, of what the of what kids kind of go through when student athletes kind of uh, go through these sort of issues involving school, involving sports, involving a social life. Is it a general mm -hmm. sense of of stress sometimes or is it do you think find it to be segmented into certain categories? And if so, where do you typically see kids stressing out the most? First, general versus specific, I think it just depends on the person. Again, like we all have friends and we can all think of things in our own lives that, you know, like really bother you, but don't bother your girlfriend slash wife. Um, you know that there are certain things, you know, you experience to where, man, if this one thing happens or, you know, if I get feedback on, you know, one type of uh, thing I do at work or at home, like that always like really just gives me anxiety versus, you know, or like what people might call triggers. Um, and uh, I think that the other side of that would be the specific thing. Again, depends on the person, kids that are trying to get, you know, to go to college and they want to get recruited and they feel like they're not either getting recruited 
at all, or they feel like they're not getting recruited from the kind of schools they're interested in, or even uh, at the other end, um, I'm doing this just for fun. You know, like uh, I played football uh, myself. I literally, I, um, actually, I actually played football in college, but I think I mentioned that last week, but um, you know, I played basketball and ran track and field for fun. So it was on the one hand, the way I approached those other two sports was different than I did football F football. I put a lot more pressure on myself for, um, but then at the same time, I wasn't as willing to, um, uh, put up with, uh, the, you know, the rigors of, you know, like if basketball wasn't going well, like, um, I, I didn't have the patience because it wasn't something that I was fully dedicated into. Now on the flip side, because I love sports so much and I was a good athlete that gave me a motivation or the rationale to like care about those other sports. So, um, it really honestly just depends on, you know, on the individual. However, I, if I had to pick one, Mitch, I would say social life because that touches every aspect, you know, the, we're always comparing ourselves to others what our grades are like, what our performance on the field is like, you know, you might have teammates that you're jealous of or envious of. You might have teammates that are envious of you, you know, um, all those dynamics start to come into play and they also affect you in all the other aspects, you know, like the amount of pressure your parents put on you, you know, to perform in school or to perform in sports, your teachers and your, your coaches. And so like, that's, I think I would, it's almost like, um, I wouldn't say like a pyramid, but like a rectangle where the, the bottom, um, if you, if you cut, if you had a, a, a square or a rectangle that was divided into four quadrants, if you combine the bottom two quadrants, that's social life. And then the top sides of that, the top quarters would be, uh, academics and sports. So, um, your, your social life and how you view the world and the pressures that are put on you, those things will affect, you know, um, bleed into your academics and your sports. So um, trying to think about where that pressure comes from for yourself or for the, the athlete that you have in mind as you're listening, listening or watching, like that's the most important thing to identify. And then you can actually talk about, you know, how to make changes. So let's kind of figure out how to kind of balance this. What advice would you give to kids who are who are struggling to to find this sort of balance? And are there any particular habits or procedures that they can follow? Um, I, I think that again, it's kind of like, like you have to be motivated to to change, like to to want to budget your time. Th these aren't things that just happen, you know, organically. So I always give the example. I worked with this triathlete, this professional elite triathlete who's ranked, um, uh, I think, like 12th in the world, not the country, the world in her age group. I mean, she was phenomenal. And she would like literally train um, triathletes, pro triathletes that do like the Ironman and stuff. They count their training in like hours instead of like workouts. So like I got to do 10 hours of swimming this week and you know, 13 hours of biking and, you know, six hours of running. It's insane how much they work. Well, she also ran, a, um, was a mother of two. Um, one child had special needs and she 
and her husband ran a small business. I mean, it's incredible. And it's not like she has 28 hours in the day and we only have 24. She is just like ruthlessly like efficient in trying in squeezing all that stuff in. And so there has to be that reason, you know, for you to want to actually do it. And um, I always talk about with my my kids, I write it on the, the bottom of all their programs, have fun, have grit and have gratitude. There's always something every day to like enjoy, you know, or to, to laugh about. So that's the have fun part. And then with grit, there's always an obstacle to overcome and, you know, something you can be proud of that you work through. And then the gratitude is just always, there's always something, you know, for you to have perspective about to like appreciate and like, man, I'm, I'm really glad today went like this or whatnot. These are all things that you can kind of lean on in order to make sure to put effort into budgeting your time and finding that balance. And so specifically, you have to be intentional. You have to like at the start of your day, at the start of your week, think, okay, where is my free time? What days am I going to go to advancing athletics to come train? When do I practice? When do I have games? You know, all these other kinds of things. How do I have any tests this week and whatnot? And so um, I think the important part of this is just that you aren't um, doing the same thing over and over again. It's kind of like the functional definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, that's kind of like what we're talking about here. So um, you have to try something. You have to not be afraid of doing uh, something different. And But whatever it is that you do, you just have to do something. Um, and then, of course, again, kids are reflections of their environment. So if the parents are disorganized, then the kids are probably be disorganized as well. So um, just trying to remember that these things can be improved, but they, they aren't just going to self-organize um, on their own uh, without some amount of effort. And then your ability to put in the effort is dependent on your motivations and you know kind of going over from that i mean typically and i should personally add hopefully that kids are not alone in this sort of process you know obviously a lot of times parents have the opportunity to kind of help them kind of work their balance i mean how how, how do the families kind of work their way into trying to help their kid find that particular way that they can sort of work out all these things and not feel like they're going to crack under a huge amount of pressure yeah i think that um you can't, because so often, you know, um, split homes are more common, uh, are increasingly common. Um, and the, so kids are getting a lot of their feedback from like parents and coaches. It's just so important at the end of the day to be the person in this, the student athlete's life that reinforces that um, they can be successful, whatever that looks like, with effort and discipline and intentionality. And so like communication is just the most important thing. Giving kids, kind of like we talked about at the very beginning, giving kids space to feel overwhelmed, to feel stressed, to, uh, to let them know that these are, these are understandable things. Some days you'll be, feel sad or like, or you know, the whole gamut of emotions. And if you're not giving them this opportunity to like talk stuff out and to like express their feelings and give them the space 
where they can actually kind of get this stuff off their chest. Well, all of a sudden they're going to internalize it, make their own decisions that are dependent on their limited view of the world, not because they're either naive or whatever, um, but because they literally have only been on the planet for, you know, uh, you know, not even two dozen years yet. So I think that it's so valuable to like, just teach kids that there's, a lot of different ways to process and then um, grow from these, you know, either feelings or performances, you know, because sometimes it's like, okay, you did fail on the test. Like it's not okay to fail, but it's um, it's okay to try hard and, and uh, not be successful. So how there are certain like minimums that you have to like accomplish and how can we get you above that threshold? And then like being realistic with these thresholds, whether it's performance, you're not getting as much playing time or, you know, you're, you got injured. So how can we like, you know, find something good, good from this situation or, you know, um, you really wanted to change your grades this year. And it looks looking like at this part in the semester or quarter, they're not, they're not what we would like them to be. So like, where are those opportunities to, you know, find something positive, you know, that's that have grit thing. And um, I think the final thing is, is um, I've experienced this a lot, Mitch, is that p kids uh, and their parents, like we can say that mental, it's okay to like uh, admit mental health, you know, issues, um, but it still is very taboo to talk about it. And so uh, some parents and, and um, kids will feel maybe insecure, like we don't talk about uh, going to see a mental health therapist or a counselor, like how we talk about coming to see like me as a physical therapist. And maybe because you can't hide it, we can see that you're limping, you're in a sling, you're in a cast, you're in a walking boot or whatever. So we've just kind of like shattered that like insecurity um, that exists for mental health where it's not something that you can see. And um, it certainly is okay to go talk to a professional. Like they, the same way it's okay to like um, admit you can't rehab an injury on your own. It's also okay to admit that, that you struggle with finding balance and satisfaction and uh, meaning and purpose in your life. And um, you have to be able to create that kind of space. So talk to an adult that you like, I mean, that you um, are comfortable with that creates that safe, open space, non-judgmental space. Or obviously, if you're a parent, make sure you're checking in and you're taking the time to talk to um, your kids. And again, with your coaches, like, you know, we're in the grind of the season now, and um, it can be easy to just pass the buck and like, okay, this kid's got to, you know, we'll just come back another day. But sometimes just asking somebody if they're okay can be really powerful as well. Um, but once again, I just want to reinforce what I said in the beginning it's normal to struggle. It's, it's okay. And, um, make sure that, you know, you acknowledge that yourself and, or reinforce that with the kids, um, that you interact with. Doc, where can those who may be seeking out services such as yours find you or advancing athletics? Yeah, Mitch, thanks. They can reach out to me personally, uh, about any of the things that we discussed today or other topics, uh, recover at advancingathletics.com. You can follow me on X slash Instagram at Michele Iono, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-I-O-N-N-O. -N -N -O. And 
follow Advancing Athletics on Facebook and Instagram. That is Fuel Move Recover featuring Dr. Michaela Ono, physical therapist and president of Advancing Athletics. Thanks so much for taking the time. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. Have you checked in on someone yet today? This is your reminder, a simple text, call, or message. You don't have to be a professional to check in. You just have to ask and listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Dial 988, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a message from Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. Um, let's go to the NFL because we talked about this during the beginning parts of this show or the, the pre-preparation uh, of this show. 
this is a big game for the Browns. This is a big game for the Browns. It's uh, it's going to be in division. It's going to be what? Yeah, it's going to be an afternoon matchup, but, but it's going to feel like a, a primetime matchup for us. And we may not have our starting quarterback. And it kind of felt like it came out of, all of, out of a sudden recently because Deshaun Watson having an issue with his shoulder this week may not play against. Well, here's the thing that happened. It was on Thursday or Friday. I can't remember one of the two, but there started having, there started to be conflicting reports about, Oh, Deshaun Watson's not going to play this week. He's probably not going to play. DTR is getting first reps. Oh, uh, so-and-so reporter talked to Deshaun Watson said he's good to go Sunday. I don't know what to believe. And I'm not going to make any uh, assumptions until I see the injury report on Sunday. That being said, he's listed questionable. Hasn't taken a lot of throws this week. Hasn't taken a lot of first team reps. It's mostly been uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson taking it under here. As much as I don't want to risk Watson getting hurt and having the similar thing that happened this year that happened with Baker Mayfield or what's happening right now to the Jets with uh, Aaron Rodgers, and I'll bring the Jets back into it in a second. This could lead to Dorian Thompson Robinson getting his first true start in the NFL. We saw him a lot in in, in, uh, the preseason. And fans fell in love with him in the preseason where, you know, he was make, he looked like he was he was confidently throwing. He was making these like crackerjack blocks that, um, you know, people were kind of loving because it felt like he was one of us. Um, but kind of like what's happening with Zach Wilson in New York. And this and it's a very different situation for Zach Wilson than it is for DTR. Would you feel comfortable throwing DTR in an early season division rival game against this Ravens team? Because I wouldn't. And I would hope that we could use our, enough of our running game to maybe not not have Watson throw at all, but maybe try to limit him enough to where he's not getting it's it's not gonna be like last year where Kevin Stefanski had Baker throwing so much and it just wasn't like it wasn't productive for the offense at all. I, again, I'm kind of going back and forth on this because I don't really want DTR to start, but I feel like you might have to in order to, with the Browns going into the bye next week, give Watson up to three weeks of recovery in order to get himself uh, set for the rest of the season, which is 12, 13 consecutive weeks. Do I feel comfortable with DTR? Yes and no. Yes, because he was so sensational in the preseason. No, because this is just a tough spot to be thrown into this early. You mentioned the Jets. Like, Look at Zach Wilson. Yes, okay, I don't think he's a good quarterback, but at the same time, I think his struggles have to do, Mitch. He didn't expect to play this year. He expected right. to watch Aaron Rodgers for the next year or two. Yeah. And you know, it, it, all the media backlash to him, whether it's justified or not, you know, it, it, this, this kid, because he is a kid, didn't expect to be playing. Now, DTR has had a phenomenal attitude and mentality since he got drafted by the Browns. And we all have grown to love him. I would be confident in him, though, because the defense – for the Cleveland Browns has been so incredible. And the Ravens are going to be missing a number of guys on both sides of the ball tomorrow. This is a game, Mitch, where the Browns, I think, should win. I I, I have to take the Browns here because one, they're at home, and we've heard all of the all of the players say how much the defense feeds off the energy of the fans inside the dog pound inside uh Cleveland Brown Stadium. And the Texans, or excuse me, the the Ravens are coming off a loss to the Colts last week at home. This is a huge game because I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, resting Watson would be smart. And I think Watson's, you know, shoulder is what it's being 
called. Some people have said that they think it's elbow. Keep in mind, he went through all of OTAs, all of training camp without any days off because they want him to knock off this rust. Yes. He might be a little bit sore and overused because he has never done that. And also now you're throwing it at him after he'd been out of football for however long he was out of football between training camps and his suspension during games last year. I still think the Browns, though, as long as DTR doesn't try to do too much and they can run block and and Ford and Kareem Hunt can get going. If, the, if Nick Chubb was here, I think this would be a completely different story because I would tell you, I think the Browns can win this game just because of how dominant Chubb is and how much he's in past dominated the Ravens. I still think this is the game the Browns should win, whether it's DTR or Watson at quarterback, because the defense has been so outstanding so far through the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, yeah. If I, I think we should go to a run more run heavy offense this week, regardless, but I would rather have Watson, who you know, say what you want about some of his mental choices uh, as, uh, over the last you know uh, year or so. We I know we saw last week. I remember last week when that backwards pass happened. A lot of the national uh, pundits were ready to jump on that, being like, "Oh, it's him again. It's a problem again." And then he threw for two hundred eighty nine yards on a pair of touchdowns. It's like, okay, we kind of backed off on it, but I don't want. Uh, DTR to get so to get thrown essentially to the wolves here. Like if, th- if this was a- against a not great t- NFL team, I'd be like, okay, let's give him a trial run here. Let's see what he can do. Cause, cause he, he did a lot of good things in the preseason, but that's against second and third string yep. players. Like I, I, guys who have been cut from these rosters. These are the, the best possible players you could have gotten for your team going into the season. Now, granted, you're going to have a couple of guys out this week. You're going to have a, uh, uh, what, what was it here? Odell Beckham's going to be out this week. Ronnie Stanley's going to be out this week. They're going to be very thin at edge rusher with Odefe Owe and David Ojabo. Uh, Jadavion Clowney would be the only uh, uh, kind of guy that could be in there for the Ravens. And they have four players listed as questionable. So, yeah, I, I, I'm uh, – I don't know. I don't know because I think the Browns can win the game. And I think if they can succeed in the rushing uh, offense, uh, like they have, a, a, even with the the two guys they have right now, like we saw against with the Ravens last week, even though they kind of got uh, uh, jobbed at the end by a no, a no call against Indianapolis, Browns can beat this team and they can go up to three and one going into the bye week. But I'm not as comfortable with putting in a rookie to try and game manage the way I am. Uh, a guy who's been in the league for a while now. And if, and if and Watson doesn't need to throw 40 times in a game, if he can just get a couple of simple throws to keep the chains moving and have the the running game kind of anchor the offense, then I'd be rather, I'd be more comfortable with that than I would having DTR out there and possibly trying to do too much. And also if, if he's considered the healthy one, would Stefanski try to try to use him a little more than he would, let's say Watson at 50%, let's say. Because we've seen the tendencies with Stefanski. He still likes to use that uh, passing offense uh, as the anchor. Uh, and I don't know if he would use it on a rookie. But the fact that I'm considering it, I don't know what that says. Yeah, I I don't know what it says either. Because I, I'm right there with you. Is this a game where if they get up, they just pull Deshaun to save him? I, I don't know. Do we see DTR here in, in longer passing downs to almost like a two quarterback system, which I don't necessarily love, but if it works, it works. There's a lot of question marks here that we weren't ready for in week four. Um, But at the same time, I'm going to go back to what I had said. I trust this defense. I trust Jim Schwartz and the defense has been playing possessed through the first three weeks. 
I expect that to, to take shape no matter who's a quarterback tomorrow for the Cleveland Browns. And yeah. yeah. Defense is more than capable of providing a score. And sometimes that's all you need. Right now, all the Browns have to do is win. Mitch, if they go into the bye three and one, <laughs> two and one in the division, they're in a great spot, in a phenomenal spot. And uh, I, you know, the Ravens are going to come out hungry, though, because of the loss to the Colts last week. They are yep. two and one now. The Browns are two and one. The winner of this game will have the head to head and also just a better record in terms of tiebreakers down the road. So this is a huge game for both sides, but I'm, man. Call me crazy. I'm, I think the Browns have a really good shot. I do. No, I think they have a, ch- a good chance as well. And now, granted, you know, if they were to win this game, that would put them in contention for the top spot in the AFC North. Uh, the Steelers, you know, they have a game against the Texans this week. If if the Texans have any shots, can be CJ Stroud willing them to a victory like he did last week, where he's just putting up these insane numbers. But it's possible. Um, looking at the other matchups here, I might have to watch the first half of falcons and jaguars this in the morning before i go to work and i have to watch the toy story broadcast just to see what that experience is like because i know because i know we've been spoiled by the nickelodeon broadcasts of the last few years and they've given us some some tremendous moments um but i gotta see what what disney is going to do with it compared to what nickelodeon has done for it in the last couple of years it's not gonna be slime it's gonna be more like toy story characters and like a bunch of weird things going on there uh, a couple other matchups in there. Dolphins and Bills is, is a great prime. There's a lot of great primetime-esque matchups that are happening at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, which is unfortunate, especially compared to, well, the what would have been a great primetime matchup that we're not going to get Sunday night because of what happened in week one. But we're going to get to there in a second because we'll have other topics there. Uh, but Dolphins and Bills is one. Broncos and Bears is the game of the year, obviously. Uh, that's going to be a great one as well. Denver, a three-and-a-half-point favorite somehow uh at on the road um Bengals against the titans it's not gonna it's not it's nice this is not easy for cincinnati to start off the year man i know tennessee you know dropped the ball last week but like i could on the road cincinnati if they start off one and three that that's such a uh a situation for them down there uh, what are the other matchups in there buccaneers and saints whoever's going to lead when this is going to lead the a- nfc south that very questionable NFC South, but it's probably going to be Tampa because I know Derek Carr has got the injury and all that. Um, Commanders and Eagles. Eagles are not. That's that's one where I'm not taking the points, the nine point favorite, but you know, could be interesting. Uh, Vikings against the Panthers. If the Panthers beat the Vikings in this game, Kirk Cousins needs to be traded immediately. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I know what Justin Jefferson said this week, but if you go to zero and four, this feels like the end of this season. And I, I don't know how the jet, how the Vikings can come back from that. And and the jets are going to try, I'm sure pressure really hard to try and get a quarterback to help uh, salvage their season. If they go to one and three, it really took, it really took a kickoff return for touchdown or a punt return for touchdown to keep them from being winless so far this year. We really have to think about that right now. Um, yeah. Steelers and Texans, Raiders and chargers. Uh, Josh McDaniels might uh, lose his job. If he loses this game, possibly, I don't know. Did you, by the way, did you see what's going on with Chandler Jones? I did. Uh, that that's so unfortunate. That, I mean, uh, that was rough. But and and what what was unfortunate too is that I don't know if you saw this news. They apparently arrested somebody in connection with the uh, the shooting of Tupac Shakur from 1996, and then somebody posted a picture of that coming up on their Twitter feed, and then the next post was Chandler Jones arrested in Las Vegas, and that was the most unfortunate timing 
in the world. So Patriots and Cowboys, six and a half points for Dallas, even though they lost to Arizona last week. Dallas might put Zeke Elliott into the ring of honor. Discuss. Did you see this? It's so it's hard to have this conversation because one, he's still playing. Yes. Two, the the last two years he was in Dallas, he just wasn't the same. But Mitch, when he started his career in Dallas, he was a top running back in the NFL. He he was sensational. I I just ring of honor. That's that's tough. It really is because you look at all the other players for the Dallas Cowboys who are in the ring of honor. Is he really deserving? I don't know if he'd have kept it going. Absolutely. But the guy is out in new England right now and kind of just existing. So I, I, I wish he, he could have had a longer, more successful career and head to the pro football hall of fame, as opposed to just the Cowboys ring of honor. But nevertheless, uh, San Francisco is a two touchdown favor against Arizona as they should be. And then the chiefs versus the jets. That's going to be a nonsense game. Um, you know, it's just going to be a whatever game for me. I'm not, I, I might watch the first half and then that's it just to get some, some decent sleep. Um, again, I don't think Kansas City is going to be up 30 at halftime, but it, it it's probably going to be like three touchdowns, probably two to three touchdowns. It's, it'll be a close game at first because yes. teams typically don't get blown out in prime time, right? The Jets defense we know is pretty solid, but the chiefs are going to win this game. Otherwise convincingly, they probably cover the spread, but I, I don't think this is going to be a game that gets out of hand relatively early. So I think a halftime might be a good time to go to bed. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be. Have you checked in on someone yet today? This is your reminder, a simple text, call, or message. You don't have to be a professional to check in. You just have to ask and listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Dial 988, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A message from Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce (gasps) or a frosty without the fries (gasps) or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. matter everyone plays a part we all have a role each of us can make a difference you do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward with each of us helping one another to cope feel better and know that we belong pass on the positivity today tell someone else they matter too alt care alt care alt care where you matter You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. 
we partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Happy Sardiversary with Sarda Rider Anthony. We're celebrating 25 years with our valued riders. And I absolutely enjoy riding the buses. I get to know a few of the drivers, very respectful, very professional. Just an all around about good experience. It helps people get to where they're going disabled, veterans, or people going to work. Thanks to all our riders as we celebrate Sarda 2-5 at Sarda. You need to remodel your bath? You need JR Bath Company. Trust in the quality of JR Bath. It's fast, it's safe, and it's affordable. Call today at 1-800-664-2284 or go to jrbath.com. And then, all right, let's go to baseball now and get the basketball thing over before we wrap it up. Be baseball playoffs are, are are starting here soon. A lot of uh, divisions are being wrapped up. We want to give our congratulations to a couple of teams, the Baltimore Orioles, who five years ago lost 110 games and are now a 100-win AL East champion squad. It's unbelievable what they're doing this year, so congratulations to them. Uh, some other teams wrapping up their playoff spots right now, the Atlanta Braves. <clears throat> the Atlanta Braves got the, the overall best seed, in the playoffs, they are at 103 wins right now. This is an unbelievable team they're, they're going through right now. They sucked the soul out of the Chicago Cubs uh, in two straight games this past week. But the wild card uh, series right now is very interesting to me because Tampa Bay and Toronto are probably going to be the two teams that are in the playoffs right now for, for the American League. Tampa Bay is up nine games. Toronto's up one game on the next two teams, which is Houston and Seattle. Did Texas already clinch the West? They did not. So it's really... That's going to be the most interesting race out of all of them is Texas, Houston, and Seattle because Texas is up one over Houston and two against Seattle. In the wild card round, it's Houston up one on Seattle. So, yeah, that could be that could be one where I'm trying to think of how the standings would work in the uh, playoffs. How it would be if Houston were to get in right now at the at its current standing, they would be the last team in, so they wouldn't face Texas in the wild card round obviously but they could match up with them in the uh, divisional series depending on their depending on yeah they would be the lowest seed so they would automatically go to the best team which that even actually wouldn't be texas right now it would be baltimore so you ha would have it against baltimore and let's say houston if they were to win their wild card round so houston would play the, the lowest seed in the wild card round which would be minnesota they, they would probably win that because Minnesota never wins a playoff series. They would have Houston against Minnesota, Toronto against Tampa Bay. So it's the winner of Toronto and Tampa Bay would probably go on to face the Rangers and the Orioles would get the Astros. And if we're going to take an Astros team that's been to the playoffs every year since 2017, against the Baltimore squad that's still kind of young and upcoming this year, I would probably take Houston in that playoff series. So my prediction of an all-Texas ALCS could still be intact. It would just depend on what would happen here in the next couple of uh, next couple of days because the seedings are not set yet. My question, would you rather have an all-Texas 
ALCS. This is going to sound stupid as I say it. An All-Texas ALCS or Seattle rallying to move past the Astros here in the next couple of days? Because we only have two games left at the time of our recording. I'd rather see Seattle. Yeah. I, yeah. Seattle's fun. I like the teams I have back against the wall. Um, yeah, I'd rather see Seattle in there. I know I would too. I just want to be, I want to feel like I predicted something and got something right. National League, Philadelphia is in. They got it. Arizona is probably going to get in because they're up half a game over the next team, which is Miami right now. And I believe if Miami wins today and if Chicago and Cincinnati both lose, then it's over and Miami's in as the last seed because they're one and a half games ahead of both Chicago and Cincinnati right now who are at 82 and 78. Which, by the way, I mean, I'm not saying the Guardians were the ones that threw a monkey wrench into the red season, but that win that they got against Cincy on uh, Wednesday is looking kind of crucial right now. And Chicago has to be kicking themselves, too, because they had the opportunity to go up a couple of games while we had our series, while they were in Atlanta. And I think they, they I mean, the losses they had to them were just rough. Four games in a row now they've lost, a sweep to at the hands of the Braves. Okay, so looking at the numbers here, the Rangers would have to win today or the Astros would have to lose to clinch the playoff berth. Toronto also gets in the same way with a win or, uh, yeah, with a, with a win or another loss. Rangers uh, would have to, if, to win the West, would have to uh, win the game and have the Astros lose. The Astros' magic number to clinch the playoff berth is two. The Diamondbacks is two. And the Marlins is two. And right now I'm trying to look at which potential match. Like if the season ended today, it's like I said, it would be twins versus Astros in the wild card Rays versus blue Jays in the wild card Orioles against the Razor Jays and then Rangers again. Oh, okay. So Rangers against the twins and Astros. So then, okay, that that's right. Damn it. Okay. So I was, I was wrong on both front on that front where it wouldn't be the Rangers or Astros in the AL CS. They would need, how do we how do we get the Astros into the other playoff series? I, I don't think we can now. So damn it, it would be a potential matchup between the two. I mean, again, I don't want to see the Astros really advance at all, but it's just one one of those things. And then if the National League ended today, it'd be Brewers against the Marlins. Okay, Phillies against the Diamondbacks. I'm taking the Phillies in that one. And then Braves against the Phillies or Diamondbacks. That could be a rematch of last year's uh, division series. And then the Dodgers against the Brewers or the Marlins. Unless the Brewers or the Marlins go on some inspired run, it's going to be Dodgers versus Braves in the championship series, as it should be. Those are the two top teams in the National League for some time now. And, uh, yeah, I still I, I said on, on Twitter the other day, I think the Atlanta Braves are going to win the World Series. I don't care if people think they're peaking too early. It's hard to disagree with that. I don't – peaking too early I think is different. When um, you've been a middle of the pack team all year and you just get red hot, I mean, kind of like the 2017 Indians to a degree. I still yeah, think they were the yeah. in baseball, but they definitely got hot. The Braves have been hot all year, literally all year, Mitch. I mean, my goodness, Ronald Cooney Jr., the first ever 40 70 season. I, I mean, like, they have firepower from every single spot, one through nine of their lineup. Their starting rotation is is incredible. Their bullpen is is amazing. I don't see any other way unless the Phillies make some type of run like they did last year that it's not the Braves or the Dodgers representing the National League in the World Series this year. 
I really think though, the Braves are the best team in baseball right now. And I, I would be shocked if they don't get out of the first round. I really would. Are you so like the brewer, you think the brewers have the best chance of like making this amazing run. Like we saw the Phillies do last year. Call me crazy. I think the Phillies do. I think the Phillies okay. have that experience last year do as a wild card team. Again, they're the, the, the top wild card team. They, they already clinched playoff spot. I think the Phillies will have the best opportunity to do that. Um, they're going to host, you know, the first, or they're going to, they're going to be playing the first round, obviously uh, on the road going up uh, against the, they would be, host, well, they'll be hosting. Yeah. They'll host. Cause they have the they higher seed over Arizona right now. Yep. It's Arizona right now. So, but but that's the thing too is that I saw this um, report that the Braves are going to have fans uh, allowed to come in and watch them play simulated games over the wild card week because I they said that a big part of last year was that they rested too much and lost to the uh, Phillies in the divisional series and that might be a slight against Philadelphia even if they didn't mean that so it's going to be interesting to see if that's going to be the difference between them winning and losing this year. Because the Braves have this opportunity now. If they win this World Series, they uh, they officially overtake the Dodgers. I mean, maybe they've already done it already, but in my mind, they officially overtake the Dodgers as the National League juggernaut uh, that LA had at the end of the 2010s. Where you know, say what you want about the Dodgers, they got the job done. They won the World Series in, in the pandemic year. They have been a, a contender for a number of years now, but the Braves are so powerful on both fronts, and they have the National League MVP at their hands. That it's it's unbelievable how this team's been able to build itself up over the last few years and really, you know, kind of escape the demons of uh, the post nineties uh, teams that kind of like the Dodgers won the world Se- one world series, but were able to contend year in and year out, get to the world series year in and year out almost. So I don't know. That's going to be an interesting playoff series. I'm just excited to see where this, this postseason season is going to go, even with both what my, my, my main team and my, and my backup team out this year, it's going to be an interesting one this year. And of course we have to talk about yesterday, the Padres getting eliminated because the three top spenders in baseball are, are going to Cancun early this year. It's crazy. Yeah. The Yankees obviously going uh, to Cancun early this year, the Padres, Mitch, but the Padres are, are the wild one. I don't know if you saw this. I'm going to pull it up right now in terms of the stats they had this year. I did. Yeah. But it, they had what people think are going to be the Cy Young Award winner. Mm-hmm. Three players hit 25-plus home runs. The second-best team ERA in the National League. A closer with a 1.16 ERA. The third-highest offensive war in the National League. And third-fewest errors in the National League. And they're not going to the playoffs. That is insanity to know that not only they spend all this money on these big-name players, they had a really good season statistically. They just couldn't get it done in certain games or areas. And it's mind boggling how this team's not making it. Lost a lot of one run games, lost a lot of extra inning games, one in 12 and in extra inning games this year. That is insane to me. Uh, and then people are bringing up team chemistry in there as well. And obviously we've heard stories of the team chemistry, not being very good this year, but we saw the teams like the Oakland A's in the seventies, win three world series championships and they all hated each other. So yeah. I, I baseball with, when it comes to team chemistry, obviously, obviously there's some, sort of issue involving like you want to have your guys on the, on the same page in any sport, but baseball, for some reason, this isn't like a co- baseball, isn't a cohesive, everything moving at all. One, like every piece moving at all once machine. It's almost like bricklaying baseball with bricklaying is like, you kind of, you want to build this wall of success or a wall of victory. And each guy has his uh brick has his um 
I, I, I've never worked on a construction site a day in my life, brick paste, whatever you call that stuff. And you just kind of lay one down. Each guy comes up, lays one down. It could be an at-bat, could be an inning pitch. And he lays one down. Some guys lay three of them down at once. Some guys lay br- no bricks down at once. And some guys take a sledgehammer to that wall and knock it all down, and you have to start over. But I don't know. There's something about baseball that, that it makes it, that feels more like what team chemistry is and not so much everyone's got to be at the same page. Everyone's got to be vibing all the time. Everyone's got to be grooving. But at the same time, you don't want guys to like have these sort of issues because that could lead to miscommunications on the field, could lead to miscommunications through, you know, uh, play schemes and play scenarios. So I don't know. People people in the replies be like, oh, they had the worst team chemistry in the league. It's like, yeah, well, teams who have hated each other before have been successful. So I, that's I'm more focused in on the fact that they couldn't win the one run games and couldn't win the extra inning games to make that difference in the race for the, the West. Speaking of the West, the West has our first firing this year in major league baseball. Gabe Kapler is out after four seasons in San Francisco. Two years ago, this guy was manager of the year for, uh, for taking the giants uh, to a playoff uh, uh, trip. And they were 78 and 81 this year. I, Look, I'm not saying that it's completely crazy uh, that they fired him, but it is a little surprising that they decided to move on from him so quickly, especially when the owner said that he was committed to keeping Kapler on through at least the end of their contracts next season. Feels like the San Francisco Giants sort of crossroads here. I This was a, a stunning firing. Uh, obviously the giants did not have what they were hoping for as an organization this year. They're going to finish, you know, fourth in the national league West. They're going to finish under 500 bizarre. I mean, I feel like this truly came out of nowhere when, when I saw Jeff Passan yesterday report mm. Gabe Kapler out for the San Francisco giants. I couldn't believe it. It was one of those. I got to check to make sure this is the real Jeff Passan. Uh, and yeah, sure enough, it, it was, I, I just don't know what the giants do now where they go and and, you know Gabe Kapler I think Mitch is going to be a a manager that gets a lot of interest from other openings this year maybe even here in Cleveland since we're going to be replacing Terry Francona now not saying we necessarily go with him but I do think that he's a a manager that will get an interview maybe with us but I do also think that this is somebody that will be back in a managerial role sooner rather than later well, it's interesting because Kapler was considered a managerial failure when he was in Philadelphia his first tenure, but then he made a surprise return to San Francisco and I think caught a lot of people off guard by taking them to that playoff series a few seasons ago and thinking, oh, hey, maybe this guy could be the future. So they give him that that deal and then, yeah, it just doesn't work out. So, But, but this team was in contention this year. They were uh, at one point around the all-star break, they were 13 games over 500. They were just a game and a half back of LA in the West since July 18th, though, they went 24 and 40. That's the second worst mark in the national league. They fell behind the diamondbacks, fell behind the Padres and they went eight and 18 during September. So, I mean, it has to just be more, a more inside look at what, uh, what uh, the front office decided wasn't enough to keep him. So, like the giants can still contend. I mean, they have a lot of money committed to their payroll in 2024, uh, just 45 million in 2025. So they're going to contend in free agency this year. They're one of the teams that is considered for Shoei Otani to move on to uh, this off season, but I don't know what's going to become of it. They even mentioned a, a mark right here in the article that uh, obviously this is going to be one of two managerial changes this year with Terry Francona retiring after this weekend. Uh, there's also a number of managers in uh, contention for, I mean, the end of their contracts, 
You have Milwaukee's Craig Council. He'll probably get extended, you know, depending on what happens in the playoffs, even then. Uh, Houston's Dusty Baker. He'll probably stay on unless he's just feeling like he's had enough. And uh, Phil Nevin for the Angels. That seems like one where it's like, that might be a change here coming, uh, depending on what happens here. Uh, As well as Mets' Buck Showalter and San Diego's Bob Melvin. That could be, you know, kind of an interesting one as well. Um, So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. So we have that. And finally... We have some basketball, off-season basketball news. The preseason, by the way, starts in two weeks, which is very interesting here. We got it coming up soon. Uh, I'm going to be at the first Cavs, uh, one of the first Cavs preseason games here on the 12th. But uh, Dame Lillard did not go to the team I thought he would. I thought this whole off-season was like, he's going to go to the Heat, he's going to go to Miami, to Milwaukee in a three-team package deal that uh, has a couple of different movements, sends Drew Holiday to uh, Phoenix, sends you know DeAndre Aiden to Portland, just a very surprising move, but uh, yeah, the Bucks are they're in a good they're in a they're in a they're in a decent place right now. I don't think they're necessarily like the number one contender now in the in the East, but putting an All Star with another All Star is good. Uh, I'm wondering if this could be a long term move for Milwaukee that works out because you know they have a number of guys who are in their early to mid 30s coming up on the team you know like the likes of Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez and all that and then you know how is uh Giannis going to feel about it because i think the bucks made this move in response to Giannis essentially kind of hinting at them like guys if you don't put it if we don't ha- keep this team together contending i'm moving so yep. i mean what's what's your take on that i do think this actually makes Milwaukee the top team in the east i think not only because of the type of player Dame Lillard is, but because he is able to shoot and stretch the floor from outside, it now allows Giannis to kind of go back into the paint now. And I'm not talking about be a, a true post because we know Giannis is just incredible with, with everything he does. But at the same time, Dame Lillard is better than Drew Holiday. So this is an upgrade. And yeah, they got rid of a couple pieces, but at the same time, now that this is a team, Mitch, where I think some veterans will want to come play with Damian Lillard and Giannis. And I'm glad you mentioned Chris Middleton, because I think a lot of the time we forget about him being an all-star. I think this makes Milwaukee the top team in the Eastern Conference. I think this helps Giannis. The key part, though, is they didn't talk to Giannis about this, and they also didn't tell Dame he was getting traded to Milwaukee until the trade was official because he had said he wants to go to Miami. And then once they found out he wasn't, allegedly, it was, all right, I want to stay here in Portland. The front office said, nope, there's no going back. See you, you're gone. So it's, it's very odd, but for Dame, I'm happy for him. There's going to be people, oh, he had to run to another team. You know, after all, he said he was going to stay there, but at the same time, that's not fully on him. I think Portland did a, a, a poor job of trying to surround him with the talent needed to be a competitive team in the West. And now we get to see him in the playoffs because this team will be in the playoffs. Milwaukee, no doubt about it. Whether the top team, they're a top four team, at least we get to see one of the top players in the NBA in the playoffs like we should. It's almost kind of like us getting Donovan Mitchell out of nowhere last year. And um, I I do think this makes Milwaukee the top team in the Eastern Conference, and I think this is going to actually open up a lot of possibilities for Giannis's game in terms of his strengths, now not having to worry about trying to stretch the floor and shoot threes and, and stretch the floor in general. Dame can run the offense and get the ball into Giannis's hands. And if Giannis is, you know, being shut down by teams, we all know Dame is fully capable of taking over a game by himself. 
I should correct myself. The Suns will receive a uh, package that includes Yersef Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nessier Little, and Keon Johnson, not Drew Holiday. Portland will get Drew Holiday along with DeAndre Ayton, who at the end of last year kind of looked like, for, for Phoenix at least, it kind of looked like they might have made a mistake in matching the uh, the Pacers offer sheet for him. So then he moves on to Portland. Tumani Kamara, also Milwaukee's um, unprotected first rounder in 2029 and unprotected swap rights in 2028 and 2030. I like the Suns getting enough um, of a bulk package so that they can add some depth to their bench. Because uh, last year, a big issue was Phoenix, once you got past the starters, it was really nothing. And then, you know, the Blazers, they got what they got. It's not going to be um, – it's, it's going to be hard to replace a seven-time All-Star, but it's uh, it's going to be something there. But, yeah, Milwaukee's Milwaukee's made a move similar to what the Cavs did last year with, with Donovan Mitchell as far as, like, star power involved in a trade near the beginning of a season, especially because, the, uh, the as we mentioned, the preseason starts here in a couple weeks. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be all for that. And that's going to be all for us here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Uh, be sure to check us out on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram everywhere. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. Uh, Mitch, what's the fact of the day? I didn't have a fact prepared. I dropped the ball here. Come on. That's the second straight week, the second straight show, man. No, well, the last show I had, you know, it wasn't necessarily a fun fact, but it was a fact I provided. You, uh, you, the last show we did, you said it was the date was it was on a Wednesday and that was your fact. Get it together, man. Uh, here, here you go. Here's one. Uh, actually, no, I didn't want to read this one. All <laughs> right. Kind of creepy. Let's. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I'm, I'm all ears. Let's go. We this this the, this the the average human eats bugs in their sleep if they sleep with their mouth open. Okay, that you went you took it too far. No, I actually See, did I know. More, I, I did more. know that. I, I well, I did know that, and well, I mean, I'd heard of it. I didn't. I don't know if that happens for sure. It, it might because you know how many bugs are crawling around your house to begin with. Um. Wow. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's it's one no, of those no, cases. No, where, it's, it's one of those cases. It's one of those cases where if you don't know about it, the less you know about it, the better, you know, because who's going to know unless unless the bugs crawling around your mouth when you wake up? How are you going to know? Exactly. All right. Thank you guys for listening or watching to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. <laughs>